As I'm going around and scouring the internet, there are a few things that I find more fascinating than reviews. That oftentimes, as I'm going around different websites, it's easy to find those different reviews of products or services or different things, and they tell whether or not we should consider that particular thing, that service, or that product, whatever it might be. And as many different reviews as there are, and as much time as we can spend reading them, it seems that they generally will fall into one of two camps. The first, this is terrible. This product is not worth your time. This product was broken upon arrival, or it only lasted a few months, and then ceased to function. Zero out of ten would not recommend. And so often, there's that negative side of things, that there is this negative testimony given against this particular product or service. But then there's a positive one, that oftentimes we'll find a particular product or service or something of that nature, and all of a sudden the reviews become very positive, that they have five stars, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Then in fact they say that this is the greatest thing that ever happened, this is the thing that they don't know how they lived without, that this is a very good thing and it's lasted a long length of time that it's a positive testimony, that it gives witness to the fact that this thing is worth your time, worth your money, and worth your investment. That no matter where we are and no matter what website you're on, it seems like very largely that these things will, these two different types of views will quickly make themselves known. But I also use that word testimony deliberately. Because, in fact, whenever we think about a product review or a review of a service, so often it's giving testimony for or against that thing, that it's telling whether or not this thing is worth our time. And so, indeed, it's quite useful and it's quite helpful to us. But whenever it comes to our life of faith, do we really think about that as an opportunity to give testimony for or against God or for or against our Lord Jesus Christ? Because so often as we go about our faith life, we don't necessarily think about the mechanics or the different things that are involved or the different things that it invites us to do. But nonetheless, one of the most important and most essential is that we're giving testimony to Jesus Christ much in the same way that we hear about in the readings. But what do those readings tell us? If we start off with the book of the prophet Isaiah, we'll recognize it because we've been following the prophet Isaiah for the last several weeks, even beginning in the season of Advent, and yet nonetheless, his message remains essential here. Because whenever he's speaking, he's actually using the voice of the Lord today, and he's telling us exactly what the Lord is saying to Isaiah himself, but also to the people of Israel. But what is he saying? That he's saying that the people of Israel are going to be those people that manifest God's glory. That in fact, they're going to be the ones that are giving testimony to the fact that God has done great things in the midst of his people. And so, in fact, they serve as a sort of servant to the Lord in that way, that they're always pointing back towards the Lord their God. And yet there's more to the story. Because, in fact, he shows that they're the ones that are going to gather back the house of Jacob, the house of Israel, that they're going to gather them back to him. So they're a sort of instrument and tool in this privileged place before the Lord. But the Lord goes on, and he says, It is not enough for you to be my servant, but in fact, he goes forward and he explains exactly what Israel is going to do and what Isaiah is going to do himself, that he's going to give that glory and that splendor and indeed show that the Lord is a light to all the nations, proclaiming his salvation to the ends of the earth. And because of that, it shows exactly that vital role, and it's supposed to be motivational to the Israelites and to, in fact, Isaiah himself, showing exactly how the Lord, their God, is using him, or he's using them to become that light to the nations, that he's using them to proclaim and to give testimony, to show God's glory amongst all the nations and all the people. 
There's another part to this, but we'll come back to that in just a moment. We move on to St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, and we are greeted with this sort of greeting that St. Paul is using. And in fact, it seems like it's something that's rather inconsequential, that it seems like it was just cut off accidentally and put into the cycle of readings. But if we, in fact, delve into it just a little bit more fervor, we can actually find out exactly what the Lord is saying, and in fact, what St. Paul is saying as well. That it's not just an inconsequential greeting, it's not just a mechanical part of a letter, but there's something more. Because if we delve into the reading and we see what St. Paul is saying, that he's reminding those of the church of Corinth that they are a people called to be sanctified in Jesus Christ, and what's more, they're called to be holy. And this is important and essential because St. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, oftentimes he's going to lift them up and challenge them in a great way. It's going, he's going to give them messages that are difficult to hear, but nonetheless, it's all going to be central around this point, that there are people that are be called to be sanctified and to be called holy. And in fact, they're supposed to be heeding this message and heeding this call, and it's something that they can form their very life around. But nonetheless, St. Paul's never going to deviate from this point. And so, in fact, even in the very greeting itself, he's telling them exactly what is going to occur. But nonetheless, at the very end, he's telling us that there are people to be called holy, and there are people that are called to be sanctified in Jesus Christ, yes, but they're also given the grace of God. Because he gives them that grace and peace and that reminder that they're not doing this on their own, that they're not living the Christian life in a way that's totally devoid of God's help, but in fact, they're living it in a way that's filled with God's help. And so he's reminding the church of Corinth that they're not doing this on their own, but in fact, they're doing this through God their Father. And so here at the very outset, that even he, though he's at the very beginning of that letter, he wastes no time in reminding the people of the church of Corinth exactly what they're called to do and how they're given the grace to do it. Then finally, we arrive at the gospel according to John. And so we hear that John the Baptist is watching and he sees Jesus approaching, and he starts to bear testimony that he says that, Behold, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one that I am called to bear testimony to. That's John, as he's going through, he's reminding and he's telling the people that he's not the one, that he's not the Messiah, but he, in fact, is ordained to point the way towards the one who is. And so he begins to tell the story that indeed at the very beginning of John the Baptist's ministry, he didn't know exactly who Jesus Christ was. He just knew what his job was to bear testimony to him. And so he was always faithful in that way and that he was always faithful to that vocation. And so he continued to point the way even though he didn't know exactly where Jesus Christ was. And then all of a sudden a moment came where it changed. Because he saw that moment where Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, where the Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon him, and he heard that voice from heaven, that it truly bore witness to the fact that this was the Son of God, that this was the Messiah, this was the one who was to come. And so what does John the Baptist do? Well, he doesn't become bitter, he doesn't become jaded against the Lord and seeing that his time has sort of waned or that he's pointing the way towards someone else, but rather he's fulfilled, he's satisfied. He sees the ways that he has been pointing for so long towards Jesus Christ, and in fact, because of that moment, he is filled because he has seen the Messiah, he's seen Jesus Christ himself and the one that he's come to bear testimony to. So he's filled with joy because he sees that realization that the Lord is truly walking in their midst, that he was bearing testimony, and that testimony has been true. But we hear that word testimony, we hear it repeatedly again and again, 
but it draws out an essential point of this Christian life, that it's not just for us to live and simply let live as others might see fit, but in fact, if we live the Christian life truly and authentically, then the life of John the Baptist will not seem foreign to us at all, but in fact, we're called to bear testimony ourselves. And so we do, and so often in this life, we're bearing testimony to different things. Perhaps it is product reviews, perhaps it's reviews of service, or perhaps it's just us telling someone about someone who did a job well, or some sort of product that we found that really works. That oftentimes we're geared towards bearing testimony to different things, but do we bear testimony to our faith? Because, in fact, that is the single most important thing in this life. That is the thing that makes life worth living. It's the thing that makes it worth getting up in the morning, no matter what we have to accomplish in the day. And it makes it worth going about our day and doing it well. But nonetheless, sometimes we sort of reserve that to ourselves. That we can bear testimony, we can review all sorts of different things in this life, but sometimes we kind of leave faith on the back, in the background or kind of on the back burner. But nonetheless, just much like John the Baptist, we ourselves are called to give testimony to the Lord, that we know and we behold the Lamb of God in a very real and vivid way, especially here in this church. And woe to us if we don't proclaim him. Because in fact, John the Baptist sees his vocation as pointing the way towards Jesus Christ, and he continues to tell the multitudes, and even those coming for baptism, of the way that the Lord is in fact in their midst. And so he continues to bear testimony and point the way, not towards himself and not towards his heart of hearts, but away and point it towards Jesus Christ. And we're called to do the very same thing. And in fact, that's an experience for us, and it's something that we should be willing to do day in and day out, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, because the Lord, in fact, is in our midst, because he's here physically and sacramentally present all the time. And yet, nonetheless, so many people don't know about his presence still, even to this day. And so that's the first point that we should behold, that in fact we're called to give testimony to the Lord. But then we also see the different ways that we can bear testimony, or we can give witness, or point the way towards God, and we should move back to the prophet Isaiah, and see a very real and vivid way that we're allowed to give testimony, or to bear witness to God our Father. Because whenever the Israelites are speaking, often they're speaking from moments of experience. That they've been the ones that have been in exile and they've been liberated. They're the ones that have needed God's presence and God's healing and God's power in their life. And yet so many times he's come to them. He's come and he's done exactly what he's promised and proclaimed. And so the Israelites aren't just speaking of an abstract God, but they're speaking of one that is one that they've experienced, one that they've felt in their hearts and their souls, and so one that's very real and very vivid to them, that they can see him not only with their eyes, not only with their hearts, but even with their souls. But are we willing to speak about that experience? Because my brothers and sisters, so often when it comes to life, we might give testimony to the gospel in a very vague way, or we might tell about it in a very written or wrote way as far as the gospel might be concerned. Perhaps we have a few scripture quotes memorized ourselves. But what about our experience of the gospel? How has Jesus Christ come into our hearts and our souls and changed them? How has he come into our very concrete reality and indeed invited us out of our sorrow, our distress, and all of the things that threaten to hold us back? How has Jesus Christ entered into your reality, and how have you told others about that? 
Because whenever the Lord is speaking to the Israelites and reminding them that he is a light to the nations and that they're proclaiming that light, he's reminding them that they are there and their duty is to continue to proclaim that light the ways that Jesus Christ, or indeed the Lord, has entered into their darkness. Because whenever the prophet Isaiah is speaking, he's not just speaking to the Israelites, but in fact he's speaking about our Lord Jesus Christ. That he is the one that is the light to the nations, but he's the one that is the light to each and every one of us. He's not just dealing with a corporate reality, but in fact he's dealing with each and every one of our concrete circumstances, our reality, the things that make us worry or stay up at night, the things that cause us anxiety or cause us dread, those things where Jesus Christ wants to enter in, that those are the places where he wants us to experience his healing, his consolation, but most importantly, his presence, that he wants us to experience that light, not only for ourselves, but so that we can go out to the world and speak about that light to others, especially those that might be in most dire need of that light as well. So whenever it comes to that, that's the second point, that we should be willing to be that light as well, that we should see the ways that Jesus Christ is impacting our life today and the ways that he is calling us to tell about that impact and that experience to others as well. But then the final point, and that comes from the book of, in that letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, that we are a people called to be holy, that we are a people that are called to be forward to the God the Most High, that we are a people that are called to be sanctified, but not on our own terms, but on, in fact, the grace of our, and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because, in fact, whenever we're speaking about our experience, sometimes we're still desiring to experience Jesus more. That we're desiring to experience that peace in places that we need. Places of unrest, places of fear, places of anxiety that are in our hearts and our souls. And so that reality is still there. That sometimes we need to invite Jesus in in a greater way. That we hear others bearing testimony to him. And that's not just for us to give testimony ourselves. But, in fact, it's for us to receive that testimony to see the ways that Jesus Christ is wanting to come into our concrete circumstance and our concrete reality, the ways that he wants to combat our fear, our anxiety, or that feeling that we're just not enough, and that he really wants to give us the grace and that peace that we so desire, and the peace and that grace that he so wishes to provide for each and every one of us. Because that reality is that we're given that ability to give testimony, yes, but we need that testimony ourselves, that we need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ in a very real way, that we need to trust him with even the worst of our circumstances so that we ourselves can experience the healing, that peace, and that grace of God our Father so that we can tell others about it. Because we know that we live in a world full of reviews. We know that we live in a world full of different testimonies towards different things. Why aren't we living in a world full of testimony towards our Lord Jesus Christ? The reality and the opportunity here is for each and every one of us to go out and bear testimony ourselves so that we too can tell about the Lord and about the way that he's impacting our hearts and our souls and the way that he has indeed changed our life. John the Baptist goes forward and gives testimony to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be a people so filled with experience, so filled with Jesus' presence, that we also can go forward and give testimony to him as well.